month since we've released our last podcast. Um, I think it's just been an overwhelming time with everything that's going on um, with Black Lives Matter, with coronavirus, um, and of course we're busy on the farm. But anyway, we're going to get back at it again. And I'm so excited that today you get to meet my friend, Brooke J. Taylor. And so I met Brooke um, whenever I moved to Gainesville, Florida to work on my master's degree. And Brooke showed up at the church that I was going to, and we got to be friends. And um, she's just such a special person to me. And um, I just really appreciated her fresh friendship in that period of time for me. I was only there for two years. And um, we both moved on. Brooke, Brooke moved to Atlanta, Georgia, um, where she's an actress. And of course, I went on and did other stuff. Um, but it's so fun to know somebody who's in these big time movies. And so you might know her from um, Iron Man 3. She was the nurse, Happy's nurse, the redheaded nurse. Um, she's also in Jungle Cruise. And so that was going to release this year, um, but it's going to be actually next year now that they're going to release it. But she's also been in Vacation, Office Christmas Party, Game Night, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. The list goes on. She's also been in television series, the Walking Dead, Dynasty, The Haves and the Have-Nots, Sweet Magnolias, and more. Um, she also has had some web series. Um, she does one with her husband, Matt, and it's called Becky and Barry, and it had three seasons. Um, the List, Submission, Sarah's Friend. She's also, of course, been in the theater. Um, she was in The Boys Next Door, Proof, The Miracle Worker, Raps, and Burn This. And she does improv and commercials. Um, they do Intensive Weekend. She'll talk about that for actors. Um, but she's just an all-around great person, transparent, genuine, and vulnerable. And, and I just wanted you to meet her. I hope you enjoy this. Brooke, how are you? I am wonderful. Awesome. Well, today we are with Brooke J. Taylor. And I know Brooke from 20 years ago in Gainesville, Florida. And you were my bosom buddy back then. And we just, you know, you may have had a lot more friends than I did. I don't know. But you were like my friend. <laughs> so thankful because we were friends. We were. And it was so fun. Um, just so we met at church. And we would help with the youth group and go do stuff with them and go to outdoor festivals with all the kids. And we just had fun. And you introduced me to an Episcopal priest that had a Bible study in the, in the attic, basically. Yep. Of the um, coffee shop. Yep. So cool. Like, how did you find out about that? Actually, my mom found out about it uh, for me because, you know, she likes to do things for me. Uh, <laughs> when I became a Christian uh, in New York City and felt led to come back to Gainesville where I grew up, um, you know, of course, my mom was thrilled to the gill that I became a believer. And she had a friend who had a daughter similar to my age who had um, been going to this Bible study for, for a while. And I was just intrigued because I, I wanted to get plugged in and learn and felt like I was kind of in the wilderness and just wanted to soak up everything I could. And uh, that's how I found out about Ron Kuykendall is his name. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I just, it, it just was so neat. And then we went to an Ash, Ash Wednesday service together, right? Yep. Church. And um, I think that was just a really pivotal time for me too, because when I moved to Florida, I didn't know soul. 
Mm. And uh, so, so I knew you though, after a while, that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, I learned to depend on God and I love your story. You talked about New York city a little bit, mm-hmm. but I remember, didn't you live in an apartment with like five other people in like a one bedroom apartment? It, it felt like five. It was only three. <laughs> three. Okay. All right. <laughs> it was like five. Um, we crammed ourselves in there and it was in Queens, uh, Woodside and, um, gosh, those are the days like we rented this one bedroom apartment and we paid practically, you know, like nothing in rent because there were three of us living in this one bedroom, but it got complicated just because there was only one bedroom. And, um, and then I ended up moving to Brooklyn with one of those roommates and man, the rent difference was just, it just went through the roof. It was so much more, um, you know, so then I was living to live, you know, like going to work just to be able to pay bills. Um, but I also had uh, a lot of fun at the time too, which made the money deplete as well. <laughs> um, so you were a waitress, right? To make money. Yes. Okay. I was a waitress at a few different places in the city. And um, one of them was a great barbecue place, which you would think that New York would not have barbecue, but it was really good. It was called Brother Jimmy's. And uh, I try to hit it up anytime I'm in the city because it's yeah, barbecue. Absolutely. Now, what took you to New York City? Well, you know, if you can't make it there, then where are you going to make it? Anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, uh, I, you know, graduated with a performing arts degree, a BFA in performing arts from the University of Florida. And a few of my friends, I'd worked at this summer camp that summer and ran into this guy who was a good friend of one of my, like, it was just this weird connection of people. He was at the Belly Deli Deli and I was walking by and he was like, Brooke. And I'm like, David, this is weird. This is a huge city. And I just ran right into you. And uh, he was like, are you thinking about moving here? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. I was working in the Pocono Mountains that summer and I was really concerned about the big leap to the city to actually pursue a career in acting. And he said, well, the, the apartment underneath me is available. Why don't you rent it? And I'm like, sure. So I decided to rent it and called up a few of my friends from the university and said, hey, let's move to New York together. So we got this apartment sight unseen and just they got off the plane and I got off the bus from camp and we just went straight to our place. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Remember you telling me like you hang, like you hung out with Carson Daly and who else? I mean, <laughs> I, I did Well, you know what? It's so interesting because I'm looking back now going, I probably hung out with some people who have now become up and comers that I, I, I just was really bad with names, but you know, Carson was really sweet to me. He, he, he probably wouldn't remember me if, if I ran into him or even if I was like, Hey, remember me? Um, he would come into brother Jimmy's because he knew some people. And, um, I remember talking to him one time about how he felt about his, his fame, just kind of boosting with the, um, what was it? TRL that I think he was on. Is that what it was? MTV? The real life. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. TRL. I don't know. I don't know. So long ago. Me neither. I don't know. (laughs) that just totally dated us right there um but he you know he just he plainly said you know it could go away as quickly as it came I could be gone tomorrow and I'm just grateful for the days that I have to be able to do this and of course he took a hiatus and has a family and now he's back on doing the voice but he was really Mm -hmm. genuine very nice guy oh yeah yeah, that's what's that. When I look through your resume and all of this is online now, it's crazy the people that you all have met. Like, I just, I, like, I don't even know who you've met, but just from seeing who you've acted with and been in the same room, I'm like, how cool is that? That's just yeah. 
fun. Yeah. I think the only person that I really fanned out with, which is so strange to me, um, was, I mean, Margot from, uh, she's, she was in the act, which I worked in. She played the mother of, and here I am like working with these Emmy nominated actresses, but she just, we had this kinship and at least I felt like we did. She probably didn't think so because we had a little moment as well that was probably not one to talk about. But maybe because I was too fangirled about her, like I just I I I felt like I wasn't in the presence of I wasn't in the presence of an equal. Um, but there's so many times where I'm on the set with other actors who have, you know, multi-million dollar movies and you know Oscars and all of these other things but I never feel like I'm underneath them. They always, it's a collaboration. And I did feel like she was a collaborator, but I definitely was like, oh yeah, you're so cool. Cause she's in the Americans and she, I just watched that show and I think that she's fantastic. So. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, so yeah, obviously I know nothing about acting, but I did listen to, a, do, you, do you like Brene Brown? I do, I don't listen to her as much as I want to, but yeah, I do. Yeah, on her podcast, she talked to Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. And, and Carrie Washington a couple of weeks ago, I guess, probably. And so they were just talking about kind of how they go about acting. And then the, you might know them, I think it's the Plasman Brothers. Is that right? In California, they grew up in Louisiana, but they're brothers and they're kind of either, I don't even know your world, producers, directors, writers, like the whole thing, whatever. And so they were kind of, you know, talking about their process on, on how some, um, sets that you go to are a little bit more free. You don't have to follow everything by the line and letter and some, you know, so it's just depending on what that whole team is. Yeah. Yeah. And the majority of the work that we get here in Atlanta, it's, you know, what we call under fives, um, where you're basically just there to serve the story. You're either there to hinder the lead actor's journey or to help them along their journey. Um, or just to be a talking prop, so to speak. Um, and I'm grateful for all the work because I've, I've worked with some really cool people. Um, but talking about like the freedom that you get. Um, I worked on this show that Bobcat Goldthwait had written and produced. And I don't know if you remember him from the 80s movies, but he, he was another one that I probably, like I, I didn't fan out because I, I knew and respected him because he was the writer and producer. But he, um, I went in trying to be like a professional actor and he came and whispered in my ear a little secret. And then he was like, don't tell anybody else in the cast that. And I'm like, okay. And he just let me play. Like he was like, I don't like just have a free for all. Like I want you to be big. And so it brought me to my character work, which I love, which I rarely get to do. So I got to kind of delve into just a broader character. And then we did some um, takes where it was just completely improvised. And the majority of my improvisation got to stay in the movie or the TV show, sorry. So yeah, the script script only had one line and I ended up having, you know, a fun scene with these people and just moved it along. It was fun. And just took it. Okay, so did you do some improv when you were in New York City then? Yeah, I've been doing improv since UF. Um, I started at UF with a group called Strike Force. And then when I was in New York, I was with a group called Strike Anywhere. There seemed to be a theme of striking things. Um, And then uh, when I came up to Gainesville, I taught a lot of improv, obviously. I was a teacher while I was there and improv was, is, is basically the foundation of what I think acting should stem from. So I've been doing 
improv. I teach improv now. I'm in an improv troupe with uh, two of our best friends who were the goddaughters of God. Their child is our goddaughter. And, they're, oh, good. and we're a couple, we call ourselves the buskers and we perform for charity events and um, raise money for people. So yeah. Awesome. How fun. Yeah. Well, we got to watch Jeremy and I just, you know, in preparation for this, we, we just talked before this, we watched Iron Man 3 with, with our son. Now he wants to watch all the Marvel movies, but you're the first in Iron Man 3. And when we went and watched that, I guess we, that was 2013, right? So I'm trying mm-hmm. to think back. So we would have had two kids already at that point, but we went to Denver and I can't remember if we left him here for the weekend and went, but we went to an IMAX theater, which, you know, we don't have around here. We drove four hours. We went to an IMAX theater and got to see you on the big screen. And I cannot tell you how proud I was of you. I was telling everybody in the bathroom that you were my friend. Oh. I cared. <laughs> I love that. And it was so special. I'm like, yo, she is my friend. That's, that's Brooke. So yeah, it, cracks me up when people are in movie theater. Like, I love it because I think it's just so sweet. But like when people have these visceral re- reactions to either myself or Matt when we're in a movie and we're not in the pivotal part of the movie and people like, <gasps> like they have these gasping moments and people are looking around like, did I miss something? Did I miss something? And you're like, no, I just know them. <laughs> I know, that's what I was, I know her. I know, we started to watch, I don't even know how you to pronounce it. So Miss Peregrine, is Miss Peregrine? Yeah. Mark and I started to watch that last night and it got a little freaky before bedtime. So we had to pause it. So we'll come back to it. I mean, is yeah. that appropriate for a nine-year-old? It gets a little scary. Um, yeah, I, I found it to be, I mean, it's, it's well beautifully done. I mean, Tim Burton is an incredible vision. Like he just has a vision and um, it's great. And I mean, maybe read the books with them beforehand. Oh, that's good. The book. See, they like his, didn't he do like, Christmas and Midnight or something. Before. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, there. That's it. The kids love that. I've yeah. never watched it, but they love it. So I'm like, yeah. okay. And that's guy. more cartoon-esque. And then yeah. Miss Peregrine's mm-hmm. Home for Peculiar Children is a little bit more on the monstery side. Yeah. So, yeah, but, um, but yeah, that one was an interesting happening for me that was completely God. Everything about that movie to me and getting the, like auditioning for the role booking the role, going to the set, like everything about it was just filled with God's fingerprints all over it. It was pretty cool. It's awesome. Now it looks like you have two movies, right? That you've just worked on. They aren't even out yet. And so what, what are they about? So Cypher, is that how you say it? And still today? It's Cypher. And it's actually, it's so sad. It, it was a pilot. And I don't know if you know anything about TV pilots, but the networks will try to, they'll film like the first episode of a show and then they'll go um, around and, and make sh- and like see if the network, if it fits with the network, but the network is also doing a few other pilots. So they don't pick every single one of them. And Cypher, unfortunately, was one that did not get picked. It was for the Sci-Fi Network. But uh, oh. it was really cool. My costume was so awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so that one will not see the light of day, which is a shame because it was good. That is. And then what about Still Today? What is that about? Still Today is a really cool movie. It's a, a friend of mine wrote it. And actually he, um, his name is uh, Jody, Jody Thompson. And he, he used, he's just a fellow actor in the community. We've met him, my my 
husband has worked with him on a number of projects and um, I kind of linked him up with the lead character, the, the lead female for his uh, movie. He was looking for a lead female and I have this friend, Terry, who I just worked with on Reckless and she was amazing and I thought she fit the role. And so she auditioned and she got the role and then um, he just wanted to kind of, I don't know if it was throwing me a bone or just being like, hey, I want you to be a part of this because you really helped me out along the way. So I played um, this waitress uh, and still today is basically uh, about a movie of, um, it starts off with a happening of, of where a, a marriage doesn't go through. And so the groom has all of this stuff to do the night and he's just frustrated and everything. So um, he has a friend come join him to spend the evening with him to do all these crazy things with him. It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. And where will that, where will that air or? You no, know, uh, I, I am not allowed to say that at this oh, point. Okay. I, you figured there's some of those contractual things. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys love to do some things. Okay, so you and your husband, Matt, you mentioned. So we talked before this, um, both of our husbands are mechanical engineers. So that's kind of crazy. Um, and so you all met in Atlanta, right? So once you left Gainesville and went up there, did you meet him doing improv or where did you meet him? We um, kind of, I knew his name through the the grapevine of Atlanta. It's not a very big community. It's grown so much now, but at, back in the day, um, around 2005, 2006, it was pretty small. And um, of course I was still trying to make connections and I would do a lot of SAG extra work on, on commercials and stuff because it actually paid really well. So we kind of worked with each other a few times, but we never really talked. And then we booked a national um, Longhorn commercial spot together. And um, he was very kind, but I did not even pick up on any signals because he wasn't flirting with me because I had a promise ring on. So he thought I was married. And I remember the director asking me if I would take my ring off. And I said, I'm sorry, I won't. So <laughs> I was wearing just that one ring during the shoot. And so Matt, you know, he was very nice. And we all had a fun time because it was pretty much improvised the whole, um, the whole commercial. And uh, then uh, later on, I was at an audition and I just signed a non-disclosure agreement about this other audition that I was just at. And I almost like spilt the beans about it. And I was sitting next to him and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, never mind. And he's like, no, Brooke, I will not go out with you. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, well, you're married. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, oh, oh. So then he invited me to his improvisation show, his improv show. And um, then he invited me on a proper date. And um, yeah, and then that all was, there you go. That all was great. Yeah. That's awesome. So you've been married 10 years or have you had your yeah. 10th? We just had our 10 this past February. February. Okay, cool. So we just got married two years ahead of you. Yeah. Eight. So that's really fun. So you guys together have done some creative things and you run a business together, right? So you did Becky and Barry, which... We watched a couple episodes of that. It's so fun. I, I, I printed out the whole thing. I'm like, man, I'm going to systematically go through every single thing I have missed out on with young kids that you just can't watch anytime you want. Like since they've gone to school and if I have a slow winter, you know, and we're not farming and out in the field or even in the field, I could now watch. Because I'm getting caught up on life when they're at school. Nice. Series and things. So I can do that a lot now. Yeah. And so Becky and Barry is only like, three to seven minutes an episode. So it's yes. pretty quick. 
It's so funny. We watched, yeah, we watched, I think, probably the very first episode. Yeah, you guys are just great. Yeah, and the impetus of Becky and Barry, we'd just gotten married, and um, one of the things, I, I was a waitress for many, many, many years, but I'd always, <laughs> I always had waitress dreams and nightmares, and um, so when we got married, Matt was like, my gift to you is that you don't have to work. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with myself because I, I like to put my hands things. Like I like to work and earn a living. Um, but I didn't have anything to do. But someone gave us Super Mario Brothers for a wedding present. So I just stayed on the couch and played Super Mario Brothers for like days, weeks, months on end, actually. And Matt was like, you know what? Maybe we should create something together. <laughs> and thus was born Becky and Barry. That's awesome. Well, it's great. Yeah. And all the people in your sphere that are in there with you, it's just kind of fun. Yeah. That's cool. Well, you are in Atlanta. And so are you in, are you in Buckhead or are you in like what part? I, when I first moved here, yes, I was in the Buckhead area. Loved it. My friend, when I moved here was like, please stay away from Buckhead. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with Buckhead. Cause I ended up moving there and it was just green and glorious. Um, but I lived there for about maybe, oh gosh, ugh, two years. And then I moved up to the Brookhaven area for another couple years until Matt and I got married. And then I moved back to the bucket area where he had a condo. So we lived there for a while, but now we're in what's called the Upper West Side, um, or people used to call it West Midtown. Mm. And it's kind of just, you know, West, West of Midtown. Um, and it's a, it's a great area. <laughs> our business, our, our studio is a mile away. Our church is a mile away. Like we just kind of live in this great little proximity. So we don't go too far a lot of the times, and, which is great for the pandemic. We haven't right. felt like we had to go long distances. Exactly right. Yeah. So we talked about a little bit, you know, we're in the, in the news with Atlanta and, and we talked about your mayor who I love. Mm -hmm. Um, just from my one video appearance of her, you know, just seeing, but um, yeah, it seems like in, obviously in all of our big cities across the nation, um, we've got a lot of protests and um, some rioting, but I would probably focus more on the protest, the peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. But Atlanta, you know, I watched Selma this last weekend for the first time too. I tell you, I'm way behind, way behind, right? But they had like four or five movies that were free to rent on Apple TV. And so yeah. I still to make it through the other ones because they're you know adult language and stuff so you can watch those in the day but so much of the civil rights movement started in Atlanta right mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's such a historical uh you know just ground for it all obviously Alabama is where those marches happened mm -hmm. with uh Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. but you know he's he's got this you know we have a it's not necessarily a statue it's more artwork that's placed up on Freedom Parkway that's, you know, just dedicated to him. There's such history here and, and value towards just, you know, diversity. And I, mm -hmm. I, I love that about the city. Um, Absolutely. Like that's something that a lot of people, you know, coming from Gainesville, there was diversity for sure, but mm -hmm. nothing that seemed to be as unified. I, I love Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, Martin Luther King Jr. lived in Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, he would use that as his hub, obviously, to go out and around 
does the family have like a foundation there or a museum or anything? You know, there is a, there is a museum. And then there's also, um, you know, the church that he was a pastor at that's very well known. And mm-hmm. um, I should probably check that out someday. Uh, it's not necessarily far either. And uh, of course, there's like the y- a YMCA that's in that area too. That's, I don't, I think it's the Dr. Martin Luther King YMCA. I could be wrong. Oh, but yeah. you know, it's, it, there's a lot of things that are dedicated to him in the city. That's cool. That's neat. Now, what kind of church are you all going to now? We go to Trinity Anglican Mission, and I love it. It's so good. And because of the pandemic, they've moved things to online. And so I don't feel like we've skipped a beat with the teaching. And, you know, the praise and worship is definitely not as, um, you know, there's luckily, I don't know if this is luckily or just provision where our, our music pastor and his wife, you know, they both sing. They were actually in a band um, growing up. So they kind of have like a unified singing style. And then um, the drummer for our church or one of the drummers for our church actually rents out their bottom apartment or their bottom floor. So during the pandemic, they're all stuck together. So they would be able to do, you know, guitar, vocals, harmony, and, you know, some underlying drums to keep the beat. And it was just kind of nice to be able to have a little bit of a acoustic you know, kind of band, if you will. Yeah. So that's awesome. That yeah. sounds like fun. Yeah. We, um, our church hasn't had, you know, there's 17 people that go. <laughs> so, so there hasn't been an online presence. Got it. We get to pick and choose, you know, if we want to watch Andy Stanley or a Fort Collins church or whatever it is, like that's, that's that we can just get on there and do that. The kids like Andy Stanley's um, kids ministry yeah and he um you know andy stanley's church is in the metro atlanta area as well and i had tried that out when i first moved to atlanta because i was trying to obviously find a home and and i loved it it was it's a huge church but i remember going wait is that is that the pastor up there but they you know hologram him in so i was like oh no okay got it got it yeah which is yeah so i guess you know he came from a baptist church obviously with his jack um but we were at a Baptist church there. How did you get to Northwest Baptist Church in Gainesville? Because that's not where your parents went. No, no. My parents went to Faith Presbyterian. Um, I, when I became a Christian, um, that like that very first summer that I was a believer, I was back at the camp that I'd worked for when I was in New York area. Um, and I'd found this quaint, cute little Baptist church in the, um, uh, gosh, what is it called? Hancock, New York. And uh, Jim Barber was the pastor there. And he took me in like he, I was one of his own. And I just fell in love with that type of, with the community that was built in the church and that I didn't have before, before it was all about kind of being seen, if you will. And I just liked the family community. So I was looking for that when I came back to Gainesville. And I remember one of my best friends in high school had gone to uh, North, is it North? I want to say North Point, but that's actually Andy. Northwest. Yeah. Northwest. Yeah. I'd gone there during her high school years. And so I was like, well, let me give this one a try. So I did. That's fun. And then I just latched onto you the first time like you came like, yay, single girl. There's nobody else here. That's a single girl in, you know, grad school or beyond or whatever. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, didn't you live in your grandma's uh, townhome and had her Cadillac? 
Yes, I did. And I sold that Cadillac to buy my, my Mazda, which is a shame. <laughs> such a, such a downward turn. But, um, no, actually my, my best friend, one of my best friends, Tiffany, she actually lives in that house now. Um, and my parents still own it. And, um, but it was such a, again, it was just such a gift to be able to have that blessing when I needed to come home and mm. get kind of on the right track. And these things were just a provision that I didn't even know were going to be there. And they were, and it was, it was great. Cause you basically just packed up all your stuff in your car and just drove home one day. You just decided I'm done with this and going back. I did. I forewarned my roommate, thank God, because she was like, uh, what are we going to do? Um, but we ended up subletting to some other people that went to UF. So that I felt good leaving, knowing that it was taken care of, that my wasn't leaving her in a lurch. But I, I did. I rented a car and I packed it up as full as I could. I could not fit my black Doc Martens in the car. <laughs> I remember that. So sad. Why I could I not shove them in somewhere, but I left them on the side of the street and I drove away and it was snowing that day. I was scared to drive in the snow, yeah. but I remember I, I was looking down from, you know, my vacant bedroom. Um, we lived on the fourth floor of a walk up and in Brooklyn and I could see the twin towers from my room and it was wow. glorious view and I loved it. I loved it. And I got this phone call from um, a theater in uh, New York. I forgot that I had auditioned for their show called a donkey show, which is, uh, I mean, it was fun. It was a midsummer night's dream set to disco music, which is pretty fun. Um, but it was a while that I auditioned for it. And then they offered me a role that day that I was leaving. And I remember on the phone going, I could stay. I mean, I, I, I could stay and do this. And I just felt like, no, this is not the path that I am ready wanting to be on. I really felt like I needed to kind of take a hiatus and, and ground myself. So I said, no, thank you. I'm sorry. And got in my car, left my dog Martins on the side of the road and drove. It's drove so valuable. I know. Do you know I had mine? Maybe they were Eastlands at that point, you know, that I had a little bit later, but I was cleaning out my closet a couple of years ago and they had a little bit of mud on them, but I mean, they were perfectly good shoes. And so I took them to the local rummage shop and uh, I was still there when they started going through my stuff and they threw them away. I went over and got them out of the trash and took them back and all my stuff. Like, you know what? There is value here. Yes, there is. And memories. <laughs> there are for yeah. sure. Memories for sure. <laughs> I had the, yeah. Like the Doug Martins that kind of look like Birkenstocks and they were so heavy, weren't they? Yeah, they are heavy shoes. They're, they're made to last. Thick and heavy. That's exactly right. So, well, I just, when I think back to that time, I just remember your friendship and your, oh gosh, just being in things together. And I could tell you things that I had never told anybody before. And that was just so special. I just... Mm -hmm such a special relationship. We have not stayed in touch except through social media. And so yeah. thank God, this little podcast, right? Like forces me to like get out of, I'm sometimes a extrovert, but not as much lately. I'm like going introverted. So this gets me kind of out of this and forces me to catch up with my friends who I really want to catch up with. So it's fun. But that was just a really, really special time for me. Um, but I agree. Yeah. Because I think it, there's something that you 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 don't understand unless you have it, where you have that ability to just kind of share some things, and and even if it's a feeling of 
is this person going to reject me or are they going to right. accept me? And just to be able to trust the hands of the person that you're laying your heart into. And I'm thankful that you felt that way about me and vice versa. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's all, all these celebrities that you meet and all of this is so fun and that's awesome. But I love you for, I love you for all of that, of course, but I love you for who you are. Thanks. Deep down in your soul. And um, you're just a really special person to me. So I appreciate what you poured into my life. So I appreciate that. You know, it's, I, I feel like a lot of growth. I mean, obviously you have children now and you're in a completely different state and, you know, you have a, a lifestyle that I think a lot of people would wish for, you know, because sometimes when you're in a city like this and things get crazy and trucks drive by really, really loud. I mean, it's nothing like New York City, but it's just, there's something to be said for, it's not necessarily the grass is always greener on the other side, but it's more of you're, you have a hope for something true that someone else has and it's not an envy and it's not a jealousy. It's more of like a, oh gosh enjoy that, you know, and I, I think that that's how people, I hope that's how people kind of view me because, you know, I, I went off to do this career thing, not knowing if it would actually work or take off and I'm nowhere near anything, but I'm just so grateful and so blessed because I've been able to be a storyteller and entertain and, and I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, I wrote some questions out for you. So yeah. Yeah, um, who, who is somebody you want to work with? Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to work with, I think he's fantastic. I think he's such a gifted actor. He's from the Gainesville area. I don't know if you knew that his brother, like his family grew up not too far outside of where we grew up. I think I even ran into him at the covered dish, like literally like accidentally ran into him one time at the covered dish. Uh Um, But uh, I just, there's just something I I tell my husband all the time that I will have arrived if I've worked with Joaquin Phoenix and M night Shyamalan. I don't know why, but I just really like his work too. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that that's twisted, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, of course you've watched all these movies, but have you watched Parasite? Yes. Yes. My goodness gracious. Yeah. yeah. Matt and I decided to go see that uh, in the theaters because, you know, we'd heard such hubbub about it and Oscar buzz and we went to go see it. And we definitely like, it's, it's, it's really sad when people who are in the industry, like hype something up so huge because then you're expecting it to be like mind blowing. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that I just kind of got confused as to if I missed something. <laughs> <laughs> it's disturbing beyond anything totally yeah well what's been your favorite movie in the last uh five years that's come out that's been out that's mm-hmm. a good question because there's actually some stuff that's not listed on there because it hasn't actually i can't put my name on things um oh, yeah there's like i i follow the non-disclosure stuff I try to, to a T and Good for you. Yeah. And a lot of times people right after they film something, they'll put their name on IMDb, but um, until yeah. the movie's released, that's when I feel like I should put my name yeah. on the thing. Or usually they add you to it. Like the people of the production will add you to it. So yeah. I'm trying to think of what's actually posted. I might actually have to go to my IMDb page. I don't oh yeah. I've been checking it out today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been <laughs> my star meter. Thanks. I'm just kidding. I don't even 
know what a star meter is, to be honest. I'll go every day. I'll just log in five times. Um, let's see. Film. My favorite film that I have done in the last five years. So funny because a lot of my films are not released yet. Um, uh-huh. What was that? Or you could go ever. Okay. Ever. Ever that you've done. Okay. Um, I'm going to say probably Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And yeah. it was such a blip on the radar. I mean, I had such uh, a, a quick, quick, quick moment and that's fine by me. But I think, you know, I had a bucket list moment where I worked with Tim Burton. That was a bucket list moment. But truly, I think I mentioned this before that just I've never seen God's hand on a project for me in like that in a long time. I was uh, I'd auditioned for something that was called the Florida Project. Like that's what I the when the audition came through, it was just like the Florida Project. And it said this project shoots in Florida. And I'm like, my family lives in Florida. And why not? I'll just audition for it. And a lot of people won't audition for things out of state because they have they think they have to pay their own way. Right. right. And I like did it real quick, not thinking much of it. And then like two months later, three months later, my agent calls and says, you booked the Tim Burton movie. And I'm like, I have, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I thought she called the wrong person. Right. Know. Of course, it turns out that it's this film and I just, my mouth just dropped to the floor. Then of course, in negotiation with my contract, um, as an actor, in the union, or if you're not in the union, but I'm a union actor, you get uh, insurance if you qualify, if you make a certain amount of money uh, four quarters in a row. And I had been making that consecutively until this that year, and uh, I was a lot of money short. And the negotiation of the contract that they made, which did not need to happen, but God knew it, was that amount of money plus a dollar. A like, dollar. That's a dollar. awesome. Plus a dollar. I'm like, got that dollar. <laughs> Um, so that to me was incredible. And then when I got on set and I got what they call a call sheet where it has everybody's name that you're working with that day and what time they're called, um, the woman's name that was right ne- butt up next to mine, cause she was the other aunt or aunt, um, Jennifer Duracus. Uh, she, when I was in Orlando at the same time, kind of going back and forth with, um, in Gainesville, when I was there before I became a Christian, um, she was my, she was she was like the you to me (laughs) like we hung out and we just had so much fun and she ended up buying my car when I moved to New York and but I hadn't seen her hadn't seen her at all um maybe one time in New York and then um hadn't seen her and there was her name so we got to work together we got to reconnect we've reconnected to this day she's in Orlando I'm here she's a teacher as well as I am and um so that was really cool. And then the blessed part of it too, was that uh, my parents and my in-laws came to the hotel that I was staying at because it was shooting in um, St. Petersburg oh, and okay. all got together. And that was one of the last times I saw my father-in-law. So oh. to me, it was just a real gift to be able to have that. I mean, I'd seen him again, but like to be able to have him with my parents, it was just, it was a special time and mm-hmm. I had a really great apartment, not apartment, but con a hotel thing that looked out of the beach, but I was too afraid to go outside because I'm so fair skinned. So I like stayed inside the whole time and just watched the beach. Yeah. But, That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. So when you said you teach, so you teach acting, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your studio is you help actors do um, basically a, not audition videos, but whatever you call that, right? Yeah, so audition videos. Mm-hmm. 
So what did you call them? What kind of videos? They're self-tapes is what they're called. Self-tapes, okay. And um, yeah, so an uh, agent or a casting site will pose these auditions to these actors and everything now for the most part, and especially now during pandemic is self-taped. So we tape the actor where their reader on one side of the camera, where they're on front of the camera, and we just are their scene partner, uh, whether we're playing one role or all the roles in the scene, we are their reader. We kind of edit the, the video, you know, just like tacking off that beginning and the end to make sure they don't have a zombie face. <laughs> and um, we send it to whoever needs it. And then either they book off of that tape or they get a call back from that tape. But um, I started that probably in 2008. And then um, once Matt and I got married, we kind of made it a, a thing, a business of ours. So we run it together. And um, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I, we've met so many fun people, just, you know, people in our community and then people who are coming in to shoot something that we get to work with them. And so I feel like I'm acting every single day, all day long. So that's a, a gift. But then we also teach improv. And then my husband teaches a class called Get Worked, where it's if you're on set, you come prepared, you memorize your lines, but then they throw a lot of technical aspects. And as a technical person that he is, he likes to challenge people. So we kind of call it like actor Olympics where you're just throwing a bunch of challenges and try to, you know, work through it. Um, and then we also teach something that is really near and dear to my heart called the Sam Christensen process, which we inherited from the late Sam Christensen. And uh, that's a whole other God story too. But um, I could go into details about that, but that's about finding authenticity because a lot of actors, when the camera starts to roll, they become something else. And what we're really looking for as far as an audience is to watch authenticity, watch vulnerability. And so it's really how to understand who you are because you, can, you can't be authentic by yourself. You have to have the agreement of someone else walk, like walking with you to know, you know, to say that my insides and what I think about myself and where do they meet here. And sometimes they disconnect, sometimes it doesn't match up. So we kind of explore and we do data. We do a lot of exercises. It's not an acting class, it's more of a data gathering. And then we kind of come together at the end of the four day intensive and we present you to you and a lot of freedom happens. Like we've had people come to us and say, I, I, you just saved my life. I was on the verge of thinking of ending it which is weird. I mean, not weird. Like it, it makes me sad that they thought that, but yet this workshop helped them kind of embrace who they were. Um, people have gone to AA because of it, because they realized there were certain parts of their personality that they realized were being exacerbated when they would experience, you know, drug and alcohol abuse. Um, some marriages have been saved and that just, you know, so it's not necessarily for an actor, it's for a human being and and we love it. And we're so grateful that we get to pass on that legacy. That's wonderful. So who, who was Sam Christensen then? Sam Christensen was a casting director uh, for many, many years in LA. And he, he cast MASH. Um, that was one of his main things. And Clash of the Titans, the, the good one. Um, and he, he, this is another really bizarre story. But to kind of tie it all in together, when I moved to Atlanta and, and was really getting my career going, I was like, I need to brand myself. I need to know, like, do funny girls wear curly hair or do funny girls wear straight hair? Like, I just wanted someone to just kind of tell me how to be and how to look. And um, a friend of mine was like, hey, this guy Sam Christensen is coming into town. And, and back then he called himself 
branding. Like they would brand people. And I'm like, done, signing up, getting in there. And I was doing my homework and my parents had to be, happened to be in town that week. And I was, it was just quick survey, but his logo popped up and Sam Christensen comes up on my computer and my mom stops dead in her tracks. And she's like, Sam Christensen and just starts crying. And I'm like, what is he like a charlatan? Like what is going on? Should I not be in cahoots with this guy? It was her best friend from college, her and my dad's best friend from college. You never knew. Never knew. And I never told him until the last day of the class where he ended up having projectile tears as well when I told him who my mom was. But yeah, he came to visit my sister um, in Dallas where she was born. And um, I think he came to visit us in El Paso at one point. So they were pretty connected up until probably me and they were like, out, out of there. But um, out of here. Yeah. But uh, he, he developed this process a long time ago. Like it's been 30 years that it's been um, in, in the works, the Sam Christensen image process, but it kind of started off for people to kind of get better headshots because people were doing like the posy things and they were trying to figure out how can we help actors to get authentic photographs, headshots, which is your calling card. And um, then it kind of turned into something more as he started to explore this thing where actors would go into a room and a casting director would be like, be yourself. And you're thinking I am myself. Like how else am I supposed to be? And yet there's something again, this perception of an essence of you that they're picking up on that they just don't know how to say because we don't use our English vocabulary ever. Like adjectives just don't seem to happen unless it's awesome. I mean, even when you ask me like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm wonderful. And I'm like, I could have said something even, you know, like I'm feeling witty wacky and wise cause that's how I feel right now. You know, like being <laughs> able to use adjectives to describe and that muscle has been completely atrophied. So he understood that and he understood how to develop a process to where that muscle could be strengthened and no longer would actors feel paralyzed in a room with a casting director or director when they're like, just be yourself. Right. And you now know who you are and you can pick up what they're seeing in you and you can just feel confident and comfortable. So it's a confidence builder. It's a understanding of, of how people see you. Cause I think a lot of people walk through this world thinking that there's something that they're not too. And so it kind of is a, it's a reckoning if you will, but it's a good one. Mm -hmm. So how do you do those intensives then? It's a four day intensive. And um, basically you can, now we can do it from anywhere. We've decided we moved things during pandemic um, to Zoom. So like last uh, workshop we did, we had people from Texas, from Los Angeles, from New York. There was somebody that was trying to do it from um, London, but couldn't make it. But basically it's, it's experiments, if you will. It's, it's exercises that we do four days in a row that help to develop and, and um, actually not develop, sorry, to extrapolate and to gain data to where we put it all together and then through private consultations as well we help to kind of formulate a a, a, a well-rounded version of you through adjectives um through understanding who you are as a rounded being because of course you own all of these areas of your life and you don't aren't just one thing so we kind of make sure that we breathe life into these words that we give you and then you walk away with vocabularies Hence, you know, adjectives and ways to describe yourself or ways to um, interpret roles or ways to approach roles. And it's just, it's, it's very intense because it's four days and it's about 20 hours of, of work, not to mention homework. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a crash course of, of you being you and you spending time with you and people spending time with you and 
and it's not judgment per se it's more of observation aspects and um so yeah we just so you have other people who don't know you well they can just kind of mm -hmm. be able to look objectively at you yeah. and and even if even if you do know someone in the class because i took it and i knew a couple people and um uh even oh, so they help each other it's not just yeah, smelling it's, committee it's the whole group of, exactly like mm -hmm. you you're on your own personal journey but you need data from other points of view so that it's not skewed in any way like if if i were just to tell you who i think i am and you kind of like well maybe but i also get blah 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 mm -hmm. like let's have a conversation about that not, not necessarily a conversation but let's work out those details and figure out how the insides match the outsides so it's you know it's an experiment if you will oh man yep so like i have never gone to a walk to emmaus oh yeah one of those i mean you don't talk much though it's something like that it's totally different spiritual experience where it's just basically you and god and other people around right mm -hmm. different but intensives in general Christian intensives or intensives like the, like this, I think are just so useful and everybody in their lifetimes ought to go to at least one. So I don't know. Do you know New Life Ministries in California with Stephen I've Hart? heard of it. I've definitely yeah. heard of it. We love them. They're awesome. But um, we've been to several of their intensives. So they, they do all sorts of ones. Like they've got a marriage intensive. They've got one where you want to lose weight. Like they've just got some specifically for women, some for men. And they have small groups. And so it's it's a combination of a lecture um, with whoever the main speaker is there. But like Henry Cloud, John Townsend, um, I love like um, the Yerkovics. Do you know them? Mylan and Kay? I've heard of them, yeah. They're so great. But um, it's all of those kind of people. And then you have eight breakout sessions during that weekend with a small group of eight, no more than eight people. And I think it's really freeing for people and all of us, no one had a perfect childhood. No one has perfect life. Everybody carries shame, regret, all of these things. And we need to have a venue to work through those. So, you know, if it's, if it's not an intensive, it's somebody, you know, getting a counselor and doing a lot of work with a counselor. And, you know, when I lived in Florida, I went to a counselor for the first time. And because I remember just, breaking down one day because I couldn't even get a parking spot. You know, I went to the stadium and you'd have to like have people hop in with you. Like you would stalk people. Did you ever do that? I would stalk people to see where they were going to go to their car and then they'd hop in my car and then I'd take them over there. And, you know, I had a bus that would go from my apartment, you know, straight to campus. But like I would work until sometimes 10, 11 at night in the department yeah. building, you know, so so it was just different and frustrating. I didn't know anybody and I was just in this whole new world and that helped me a lot. And some of those things that I learned from that counselor, I don't even remember her name, but she was great. And my dad told me, you just are, you need to look up Christian counselor in the yellow pages. You know, we used to have yellow pages mm -hmm. and I had an old phone, physical phone in my apartment. And I, <laughs> she had taught me that, you know, our thoughts are like roots, ruts, ruts, sorry, not roots. Um, and the more you think something, the ruts go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so we have to be able, you know, whatever, whatever's true, all that. Mm -hmm. So I put the verse, I taped it on my physical phone back then. And I was really good in that season of my life of doing journals. I don't know if you did journals, but I loved to journal. And now I can pull those books out and it's so honest 
and yeah. transparent where I don't do that as much lately now. I do it sometimes. Yeah. It's hard. I went through uh, the artist's way uh, maybe like four years ago. And one of the things that they, or the woman who's a Christian, now she's a Christian, um, you know, it's just like writing stream of consciousness, three pages a morning, just like to get the stuff out. And of course, at first you're just like, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. And you don't know what to write, but like to not pick up your pen. And then by the end of the journey, you are you can identify where the enemy is talking to you and you can identify the prayer that you have with God and the conversations that you have with God. And of course that's where things start to go, but it's really interesting to go back to those journals and go, I can't believe I believe that lie for so long. Mm -hmm. And here's how that lie started to get stripped away. And then it's pretty cool. Absolutely. And like prayer requests, things that you pray for, I would write a date and when I would start to pray for that, and then I would, it would get answered and I'd go back and I would write the date, you know? And so it's just kind of fun like, yeah. to see, to see where God has been faithful and you don't think he's faithful, but he is. And he is. And we don't journal, I think, because we're so busy with the social media stuff. And it's like, well, I felt like I journaled today because I'm either made a post or I made a comment back to someone, but then it's really hard to go back and, and mark that time, you know? On, and to be able to have it readily at your hands. Cause I got off Facebook and they gave me an archive of all of my posts and stuff, but I'm yeah. never going to go back and look at any of that stuff. Right. But had I journaled every day and I needed to know like, wow, I, you know, asked for that prayer. When was it? And, you know, like, when did I actually right. ask? It's yeah. I've kind of had a love hate relationship with Facebook lately too. I'll get off and I'll say I'm in a divorce Facebook and then I only get separated. And then we, reconcile and then but I actually look at the right here you talked about a journal from Facebook they have this thing called a passbook now oh <laughs> so I'm such a good mom right yeah each kid a photo album of their birth experience and then nothing for the next seven and nine years of their lives. so this little thing takes your top post it's theoretically from sure. 10 years so this is 10 years of their lives and that's it. That's all they got. All the other pictures that were on my that were not on Facebook, like computers have crashed. I'm not the most technical, best person in that way. So, so they got that. Yeah. What we're doing there, but yeah, I, I tend to write stuff on Facebook that I should be putting in a journal. And I actually I got these really cool journals on Amazon, and they have it listed. It's like a three year journal or a five year. I got them from for all four of us, and they ask you a question a day. And then you say, okay, my answer to this question in 2020 is this. And then the next year they ask you the same question. <laughs> and you see how that changes. Interesting. It would be pretty interesting. So yeah, when we started homeschooling with pandemic, um, you know, we got one day of it done and then it's on a bookshelf now. Yeah. So, but I think there is so much value in that. So what are you reading right now? Uh, consumed by Grace or Captured by Grace. Sorry, Captured by Grace. I don't even know, but it's, I think I, I need uh, under, more of a deeper understanding of what grace is, crying out loud. It's, it's a hard thing to grasp. And then the other thing I'm reading is this book that this agent in town called, his name's Jason Lockhart. He's with Atlanta Models in Talent. And it's this little book of questions that actors ask and from an agent's point of view. So yeah, that one's, it's called Ask an Agent, I think is what it's called. Okay, awesome. Very good. So if you weren't an actress, what would you be doing right now? Right now, I'd be floating down a river. In the a, Crystal River? 
Oh, that would be fun. I haven't been down the Crystal River in forever. <laughs> no, I yeah. remember one May in 2001. Mm-hmm. Going down the river, yeah. Yep. I like floating down rivers. Um, there's the Chattahoochee here. It's a little on the dirty side, but they are cleaning it up. Um, but yeah, I like to float down rivers. And uh, But like if I had a different profession, I always wanted to be a dental hygienist. Yeah. You good for you. Yeah. I don't know why. You got well, you've got great teeth. I mean, you've got you've got the teeth for it. Yeah. Well, I have the braces for it too, but I think maybe that's where my intrigue came in because I would actually like take off all the rubber bands from my brackets. Mm-hmm. I would pull out the wire, then I'd put the wire back in and I'd put back on all of the things I'm sh- I'm surprised that my teeth turned out normal because no doubt. Yeah. I I wanted to explore what all that was and I found it fascinating. Good um, for you. You yeah. could have just like been the playground orthodontist right there. Could have been. You some supplies, you'd have been up to go. So yeah. That's Save awesome. A lot of parents a lot of money. You could have for sure. Well, here we are already at an hour. And so I made it through all the stuff, you know, it's going to talk deep stuff, but we did talk deep stuff. Yeah, we did. Stuff than what I thought we would. So that's good. So where can people follow you? You're pretty active on Instagram. Is that where you're at? Pretty much. Yeah. Instagram is my jam. That's a really the only platform. Sometimes I'll post on Twitter, but yeah, Instagram at Wookums, W-O-O-K-U-M-S. Awesome. Yeah. I am more on Twitter these days, just probably consuming way too much news and all of that. But that's kind of lately where I am. But Instagram is just a happy place, isn't it? It is. It is. And the people I follow, I don't necessarily want to follow the same people on every outlet because the posts are the same, you know? So Instagram is fun because especially lately with the pandemic, people are doing more, what is it, Instagram live or Mm -hmm. they are. And I love that. Like Ian Cron, is it Ian Cron? Cron, Yeah. Yeah. Enneagram. Yep. Yep. All that. And just all these fun people that are posting up helpful life advice and stuff there. Yeah. Toxic. Or maybe I just haven't found the toxic stuff there. It doesn't seem like a toxic place. Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Brooke. I appreciate it. It's been getting caught up. Definitely. Definitely. We don't need to spend any more time talking about me because I actually want to know about you. So stop this thing so that we can talk about you. I will. (laughs) Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast today. She had a lot of fun. If you want to read some of the crazy stuff my mom writes about our life on the farm, go to her blog at farmerice.com. Have a great day!